tonight, we're going to take a different route. First of all, it's good to be back here in the Lightroom. Like, we had an awesome time last week. But it's super good to be back here with you guys. And I, I just want you all to know, and I'm sure if you were at camp last week, you probably saw me sob about it. But I love to be here with you guys. I love to be your friend. I'm super humble and grateful that the Lord has called me to be not only your friend, but also your pastor. But I want to take a week out of what we've been doing to just have a post-camp decompress. So, but don't worry, like, if you didn't go to camp, I really believe this message could still help you out a lot. But I wanted to take a week away from what we've been doing to focus on this. You see, we've been doing this series called Prison Talk, and we, you all know that, right? We, we just finished chapter one of Philippians, and we are about to start chapter two, and I'm pretty excited about that. But as I was getting ready and preparing for that, I just felt the Lord say, like, no, 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 let's just, let's just not get ahead of ourselves. Let's worry about what's next first. And so out of obedience to that, I, I want to do that. You see, God's Word says that those who know Him as Savior has had the eyes of their heart opened. But what does that mean? Like, what, is it, what does it mean to have your, the eyes of your heart open? And essentially, this just means that God has spiritually given you the ability to finally see Him and obey Him. You see, prior to this opening, this eyes of the heart awakening, prior to that, you're unable to do those things. And I think we can all agree with that. We're, we're unable to focus on Him. We're unable to obey Him. We're unable to follow Him. You see, you might have heard of Him, but you, don't know, you didn't know Him prior to that awakening. You might have read scriptures, but you didn't have the enthusiasm to apply them to your life and obey them because the eyes of your heart were closed. They're not awakened. See, what this means is that God has given you the tools necessary to be his disciple because he, if you have had your eyes of your heart open, which means you know God, he has given you the tools necessary because he has given you himself. And that means you have all the tools you need to be his disciple. But what will we do with these tools? What will we do with these tools? It's like this. Hence my presentation. It's like this. Who likes cookies? You want a cookie? You want a cookie? Yeah. It's sugar. It's sugar. It's not a cookie? It's not. It's what you need to make it? Why is that not a cookie, though? So you're saying that I need to mix this stuff together to make a cookie? <laughs> oh, so you need, a, you need not just to mix it together, I need to apply some heat. Yeah, I would need eggs and water and stuff. I can't just bring every ingredient out here. <laughs> but you get what I mean. So you're saying that in order for me to make cookies, I need to have the right mixture. I need to mix this stuff together. I need to make a dough, and then I need to... Put that dough in an oven. All right? Well, God's given us all the ingredients we need. He's given us all the ingredients we need to be a faithful disciple of His. I promise you, He has. But if we don't apply these things together, if we're not mixing them up together, then we're not following in the will that He has for your life. You, you might be like, oh, you know, I haven't, I haven't heard 
from God. Well, Bert, you hadn't spoken to him since camp two years ago. You're not mixing these things up in your life. You're depending on a, a specific time in which you encountered God, but you're not taking the tools he's given to you and using them. You're just left with some flour. And I don't know if anybody, any one of you have ever eaten a spoonful of flour, but I'm guessing it's not good. It's definitely not a cookie. And the moisture in your mouth don't make it a cookie. I bet not. Yeah, it's not a cookie. So like that, though, as Melty said, even when you add these things together, you have a dough. All right? And cookie dough is delicious. Don't get me wrong. I love cookie dough. But cookie dough is not in its complete form until it is what? Added to the oven. It's baked. You see, we are essentially the same way. Like, we get placed in a container of heat, and that heat checks the reality of our mixture. You're like, I don't know what that noise is. You're like, what is this analogy this guy's talking about? Well, I want to elaborate a little further on that. But, man, it's like, you know, you're back from camp, and the old friends that you know you don't need to be a part of, they're already back, full on back. The sexual temptation has already risen up on you. Matter of fact, the day you got back from camp, it happened. The old habits that you know don't need to be a part of your life, they have almost overcome you. You know why? Because you're in the heat. You're back from camp, man. You're out of that bubble. You are in reality, and the heat is on top of you. Sometimes it's sweltering. Sometimes it's overcoming. You see, but heat proves the reality of stuff. Heat, when applied to this mixture, creates a complete product. And when heat, a.k.a. the world, is applied to you, you see the reality of what has happened. Does that make sense? You see what has happened. Let's read some scripture real quick. And we're just getting started, but I just want to read some scripture. I kind of stayed there a little longer than I wanted. And this is Jesus speaking. He said, And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the bird came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. You see in the comparison here? All right, let's, let's, you might be like, you might be thinking, well, well, yeah, why, why are these parables? And you would not be alone. <laughs> the disciples, the scriptures go on to say, you know, the disciples are like pondered amongst themselves, not thinking, you know, like this is the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is going to know what we're thinking. But they pondered amongst themselves, like, why is he talking to us in these stories? Like, we don't understand what he means. Cool. I don't have to elaborate it. Jesus did. So he goes on to elaborate it. And he says, as far as what was sown on the rocky ground this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it. This is the one who receives, uh, receives the word and, I mean, hears the word and immediately receives it, yet receives it with joy. Yet it has no root in its himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So we know heat proves the reality of an encounter, just like heat proves if the mixture of your dough was right. You don't add baking soda 
and the stuff that helps make that flour rise, it means you're going to have some pancake-looking cookies. And that ain't no good, unless you like things like that. That ain't no good. See, I want us to talk for a few minutes about what we do now that we're back in reality. Does that make sense? Like, we're back in reality. What do we do? What do we do now that we're in the oven and the heat is on full blaze? Will we have a root in ourselves? Or will we be a scorched seed that does not bear fruit? In other terms, in terms of the illustration, will we be a complete cookie or will we be a burnt little black cookie? You know? So, that brings me to my topic of what I want to talk about tonight, which you probably saw the slide so far. If I can get there. What do I do now? What do I do now that I'm back from camp, that I'm back from having this encounter with the Lord? What do I do now? That's a good question. And I hope that this conversation we have tonight can elaborate on some of that. Our main text from tonight comes from Psalm 119. I read some of it Sunday service. Uh, but I want to really dig into it for just about 15, 20 minutes. So if you will, just kind of stick with me as much as you can. Just give me your attention for a few minutes, please, guys. So it comes from the 119th Psalm, and it goes as follows. It says, My life is down in the dust. Give me life through your word. I told you about my life and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Help me understand the meaning of your precepts so that I can meditate on your wonders. I am weary from grief. Strengthen me through your word. Keep me from the way of deceit and graciously give me your instruction. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set your ordinances before me. I cling to your decrees, Lord. Do not put me to shame. I pursue the way of your commands, for you broaden my understanding. Teach me, Lord, the meaning of your statutes, and I will keep them. Help me understand your instruction, and I will obey it and follow it with all of my heart. Hopefully we've all had an encounter with the Lord, and I, I, I pray that you can relate to what the psalmist is talking about. He's he just like, man, you know, I, I know who you are, Lord. Teach me your ways. I've encountered you, Lord. I want to follow you in the way that you go. I know and I've seen the love that you have for your people because of the way that you have rescued us out of oblivion. And now, Lord, I just want to run after you. Man, like that is our story of people who have encountered the Lord. And I want to learn some from that tonight. So we're back from Shaka. We're back from camp. We're back from an encounter that was wonderful. What do we do now? What do we do now? First and foremost, I just want to start off by doing this. And this might be the simple answer, but I believe we need to talk about it. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Say it again. Read your Bible. <laughs> Read your Bible. You want to hear from God? Read His Word. You want to know what God has to say? Man, read His Word, the things He has already said. You see, like, we, we, we say we, we want... We don't hear from God, but we don't talk to Him. We don't study what He has already said. He has given us His Word, and we just act as though it's just some fiction book. But the Holy Scriptures is revelation to us to know who God is, to know why God has rescued us, and to give us purpose here on this earth and hope for eternity. 
But we have no clue for any of that if we don't what? Read his Bible. Read the Word. So if, if you want to know what to do now, I'm back, from, I'm back from Shaco, I'm back from camp, I'm back from this encounter I've had with the Lord. Or maybe it is, uh, you know, I had it one time in my life, I had a strong encounter with the Lord, but I kind of like that parable that Jesus spoke. I, I, I got caught up. Man, we get caught up. Good thing the Lord is gracious. And he calls us out of that, that state of being caught up and into relation with him. How do we start back? Step one, read your Bible. We see, we like, to, we want to be like, Lord, <laughs> Lord, I, I just, I need something. I, I, I just need you to like, like, just send a cloud of fire or something. Like, I need you to show me this ultimate sign. I need you to do something. Give me some type of external revelation. Speak to me, Lord, through somebody else. Speak to me, Lord, through something else. And Jesus is like, I've spoken to you. I've already spoken to you. It's called your Bible. I've given you my revelation, and it's listed in the 66 books of the Bible. I've given it to you. You don't need more than that. God is gracious, and he gives us more than that. Has anybody in here ever been ministered to through song? I was tonight. And God is graciously pouring that out to us. But we don't need that. Because the ultimate form of revelation that God has given us is in his Bible, in the Holy Bible. So we don't need external revelation. We just need a little discipline, honestly. Spiritual discipline, like reading your Bible, praying, stuff like that. And that happens, guys, with practice, with an attempt. If you don't ever attempt something, are you ever going to get good at it? No, nah, man. You like, you tell me to juggle a soccer ball right now, I'd laugh at you. You know why? Because I've never tried it. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. And although I'm a big guy, if I tried it for a little while, I'd probably be able to do it some. You know? For example, and I'm getting, chasing some rabbits right now. But I, uh, you give me that shake of the head like, yes, you are. Um, I am doing like some video, video editing and stuff for the church. Look. I'm not a videographer, but as I put effort into it and attempt another time, guess what? It comes a little bit more easy. Get a little bit better at it. It's the same thing with the Word, guys. If you've never been a disciplined person that reads the Bible, guess what? The first time you do it, it's probably not going to be the easiest thing because anything that's worth having takes and disciplining yourself to read your Bible every day, guess what? I bet the only thing you do every day is like check your phone or hopefully take a shower. <laughs> Brush your teeth, yes. Okay, Brush your teeth, yes. That, I hope you do that every day as well. Put on deodorant. All those hygiene things, you should do that every day. But just like those things, man, we got to learn to practice stuff. Secondly, if you were asking yourself, and I hope you're asking yourself, I'm asking myself this. What do I do now, now after I've had this encounter? First, read your Bible. Secondly, shed some dead weight. Shed some dead weight. See, dead weight's heavy. Who in here has ever had like a bad sunburn or a blister or anything like that? Man, they hurt, they suck, they're not fun at all. You see, because of an interaction that you've had with something, the sun, heat, fire, 
or whatever, you've had an irritation, and that irritation causes you some type of stress to the skin. And the only way to get healing from that issue is to remove the dead skin so that what? The new skin can flourish. I'm sorry it's hot in here, guys. I've had the air running all day long. It's hot in here to me, too. But the only way that we can allow this new skin to flourish is if we remove the dead skin. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Quick, I'm going to make it very quick. I texted my brother and told him I was going to use him as an illustration tonight. He never responded, so I'm going to say that's an okay thing. Uh, <laughs> when I was young, has anybody ever done something to impress somebody and it bit you in the butt? <laughs> Woo! Story of a male. Yeah. So, I, uh, my brother, and I was probably 10. I don't know, 10 years old. He was like 15. I didn't do anything. It was my stupid brother. I was 15, he was 15, I was 12, 10, 10. And um, we were at our house. My dad had built us a double. I don't know if anybody's ever ridden dirt bikes, but he built us a double. And we had, we had made a bonfire. My, my brother was trying to impress some, like, you know, 15-year-old girls or something. And um, my brother decided, you know what, this fire's not large enough. I think it needs some gasoline. So he, like, hops out with his, like, you know, whatever he did in 2006 to have some And he, like, hops out with his gasoline can, right? And, um, and he just decides, I'm going to throw this gas on this fire. And so, no, not the whole thing, but any part of it would not have been good. And so he goes and dumps his five-gallon tank on this fire. So most of you, if you've ever been stupid, you know where this is going, right? The fire goes into the tank. And he's freaking out at this point. I don't know if I should have said that word. But he is freaking out at this point, And he is carrying the gas tank like so. <laughs> and then he finally goes and throws it in the air. I'm not, man, if I am lying, I am dying. And the gasoline comes out of the tank. It's like, a, it's like 1940s, you know, World War II big f fire thrower. You know what I'm saying? Like, gas comes out of this tank and lands on his arm. And his arm is on fire. And he just rolls on the ground. We're all like, what is happening right now? Bro, I'm freaking like going crazy. What is happening right now? And he is rolling on the ground on fire. My dad comes out because my brother is now screaming like a 12-year-old little girl. I hope you don't listen to this later. My brother is screaming like a 12-year-old little girl, and dad takes him inside, and come to find out my brother had severely burned himself. So emergency room, yep, next step. That didn't finish there. For the next, I think it was like 10 or 12 weeks, he had to go to therapy, where he would go and have to dip his whole arm in this like hot tub thing. And so that way that this dead skin that was bubbly and nasty, could peel away so the new skin would form. It's nasty. It's nasty. But guess what? When we are getting rid of our dead skin, sometimes it's painful and nasty as well. It hurts. It seriously hurts when we're trying to get rid of those things. It's painful because you're taking away a piece of yourself. You're getting rid of something that you've always had. But we must realize that we are only doing that to allow the fresh, revitalized skin that the Lord wants to produce in us to come forth. That's it. 
that we, we have to allow that to come forth. See, if you know Jesus and you've had an interaction with him, right? If you know Jesus and you've had an interaction with him and like that interaction with the son, this son, S-O-N, cannot come and contact you and leave you unchanged. Something about you has to change. You start noticing the things around you that are dead weight or dead skin. You might go ahead and say it. The irritation of those people or those things start to eat at you and cause you stress. But there's a reason for that. There's a reason that these things do not sit well with you anymore. It's because Jesus is trying to pull something out of you. And because he's trying to do that, something about you and your old self has to change. It has to. You have to get rid of some of that dead weight or as we're calling it, dead skin. He wants to remove the dead skin so what he has birthed in us can be brought to its full potential. You see, there's pain, but the pain is part of the progress. That's all it is. It hurts. It hurts because you're moving, removing part of, 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 of you, but the newness that you are instilling and allowing to be produced in you is much greater than the pain of removing what you know you need to remove anyway. You see, if you know Christ, guys, you have the greatest gift of all. Jesus said it like this, that you can't put new wine in old wine skins because the skin will burst and you will lose the wine and its container. What he means by that is in, in their times, they would put wine in like a leather skin. Okay? But... In that skin is when they would do their fermentation process, which if you know anything about um, chemical reactions, right, there's some expanding and decompressing that goes on. So they would put this wine that they are producing in an old skin to try to save money, and then you're left with spilt wine because the skin cannot contain the wine. It's been expanded over time so much that it now has no longer it's it's no longer able to expand and decompress anymore it can't contain it so they would put this wine in that old skin and then the wine would be spoiled because it would burst burst the skin and then the wine would be spilled on the ground you see jesus wants to instill in you something that you have no idea what it's going to be yet something far greater than you could ever imagine but he wants to put it in a new container he, he, he don't want to put it in the thing that you already have, this old body of yourself, man. He wants to use your personality and characteristics that you already have because Jesus loves redeeming those things. He gave you your personality. He gave you your characteristics. But he's asking you to do away with some of your oldness so that the newness can come forth. So think about that. We need to think about shedding dead weight. But what does that not mean? To shed dead weight does, does not mean be rude. And you guys know, I'm talking right, let me, be, let me be clear. As the apostle would say, let me be quite frank with you. Um, this, this dead weight that I'm talking about, it could be people. It could be habits. It could be places. I, I pray right now the Lord's just impressing on your mind what that dead weight is to you. 
Because we all have things we need to get rid of, man. We do, myself included. We all have things we need to get rid of. So what is he asking you to shed? So back to that. We're, we're not trying to be rude about it. See, what, when we make a conscious decision to allevi alleviate some of those friendships or habits or whatever it might be that is that dead weight in you, that does not coincide for our love to Christ, right? We have to have it in the humble way. You don't want to prove to non-believers that Christians are, in fact, pretentious people, <laughs> that they are, in fact, hypocrites and rude. But instead, when we, when we d get rid of those things, if it's people, we do it with humility and holiness. We don't do it with pride and pretentiousness. We, we do those things with humility. We don't shove it in their face and say, Jesus told me to leave you. <laughs> Right? That's not going to go over well for that person's future and their relationship with hopefully the Lord. Because every time somebody says the name of Jesus, they're going to think of the time you were a butthole. So when you do it, do it with humility. I should probably do a little better with my cho word choices. Um, lastly, lastly, and I know we've kind of gone a little longer than usual tonight, and this is my last point to make, but I think for rightful reasons this is important and I hope that you are able to say well yeah this is really applicable stuff lastly run after Jesus what do I do now that I'm back home and I'm away from camp and I'm out of Chaco Springs and I've had this encounter with the Lord what do I do now man read your Bible shed some dead weight and run after the Lord I want to share something that was super beneficial to me and it was this that you have permission to run. You have permission to run. Part of my testimony um, is that after I was saved, I had this like zeal for the Lord, like this passion for the Lord and the things of the Lord. But I looked around me, and everybody was just like lethargic and robotic. They were just kind of like going through the motions, didn't really seem very passionate. And like in my heart, I'm like, is this what being a Christian is? Like, lazy and lethargic like, I don't want that I, I I was confused like is this really what being a Christian is and I initially thought that but then I looked to the scriptures point number one what read the Bible I looked to the scriptures and I saw no 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 the apostles were passionate people Jesus the most passionate person to ever live hence the name passion of the Christ right that what he did in its essence was passion so I was like, no, maybe these people got it wrong. And I shouldn't look to them as an example as to what I should do for Christ. I should look to the scriptures, which brought me to this 119th Psalm five years ago. And one of the scriptures that we read in another uh, version says this, says, and I love, this, love this, this version. It says, I will run the course of your commandments, for you will enlarge my heart you see Jesus wants you to run after him guys he wants you to just run after him and he man he will enlarge your heart he will give you a deeper love for himself that love that he gives you for Himself will expose and manifest itself in the ways that you will be merciful and graceful to other people people that may not deserve that but you in your love for the Lord because he has enlarged your heart because you have pursued him gives you that ability to be more like Christian. 
in its very vocabulary is called Christ-like. And I can't think of another way that we can be more Christ-like than to be passionate people. Passionate people. Uh, Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians. He said, do you know that in a race, um, where, did I, where am I? Do you know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable. What he's saying here is he's talking about like runners and stuff in that time, right? They, they receive a wreath. It's like a gold medal for us. They receive accommodations. They receive these earthly deeds and good things. He's saying, but those are perishable. What you will receive because the race that you run is eternal. It's imperishable. It cannot be taken away from you. So run. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as beating the air. Guys, run. Run to Christ when things are good. Run to Christ when things are bad and you're beating yourself up and you're broken and discouraged. The word right there, and I'm not going to get too nerded out on it, but the word right there for run in Greek is called um, treko. And it literally means to move forward with full effort and directed purpose. Directed purpose. You see, as Christians, we have to have a purpose for the effort that we are putting forth. We are called to run. That means to move forward with directed purpose. But what is your purpose? I always think back when I think about this is, um, and I, Shay and Tyler are not here tonight. They're at the beach with his family. But Shay, if you've heard her talk, you've heard her talk about the word go, right? Like she, that, that was a word that the Lord had given her. It was a purpose for her in her life at that moment in her life. But you know what's awesome? You know where he gave it to her at? In his word. You see, she took an act and said, I'm going to look at God's word. And in that word, he revealed himself to him, her in a revelation that said, go, run, do these things. And so I'll leave you tonight with a little last statement that you do not have to be held back by those around you. You don't. Your left, your right, your front, your back, those around you in the church. If you have passion for the Lord, man, pursue it. You do not have to be held back by those around you. Instead, you have permission, permission to run, permission to leave the flock and run after the shepherd. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we've had tonight. Lord, I know that we went a little longer than usual, but that's okay. That's okay. I pray that you've spoken to each one of these students that you uh, have revealed yourself to them, that you've given them an understanding about what they need to do next in their life, Lord, that they don't need to just sit in this complacent state and ponder about how great last week was, but instead pursue you in their life right here, right now, in this minute and in this moment. Lord, and we need to do that every day. Obviously, Lord, we fail you, but give us grace where we fail you. Give us encouragement to start back over again. And give us your love that you pour out to us day in and day out and simple things such as breaths of fresh air. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.